Welcome to the We Have Issues podcast, a weekly look at the local issues and matters impacting Independence, Missouri. And now, your hosts, Lori Dean Wiley and Dan Hobart. Good morning. Good afternoon. You get to say good night, I guess. And good night. <laughs> No matter when you're listening. Hey, it's We Have Issues Independence. I'm Laurie Dean Wiley. I'm Dan Hobart. And today we're starting a new segment. Woo! Yay! We have a se- we have segments now? Yeah, we do. We oh have my, a new segment. We've been busy. <laughs> Miss Miss Organi- my partner Miss Organization has been apparently bored over the new year. No, I just had well, I had a pretty good idea that I stole from another good idea and now we're here. So segment away. City on the go. Guten Tag. City on the go is the new segment. Perfect Dugan. <laughs> Octung, baby. So yes, as you know, I do. We are very fortunate to have a guest, a really involved, our favorite guest, articulate, intelligent. Some would say handsome. I don't know. Whoa. But uh, city manager, Zach Walker. Calm down. I need to come here more often. I just Just hear these things. I'm not saying I agree. I just hear them. Woo. You know. Wow. So, but no one, I think we talked about it earlier. Um, There are podcasts all over this country. And one in particular, um, I had engaged hearing a city manager. And I thought, what a great idea to just hear from that perspective as well. So we've been inviting Zach in a couple times, and so we are starting this once a month, bring the city manager in, city on a go, and uh, go play on city words. City on the go. G- city on the G-O. Bond. Bond. So we're going to try to break that down through the next year, be able to share bond. lots of information. G-O. Bond. Yes, not, not the other bond, just... A bond, yes. Um, really, really long introduction. Welcome, Zach Walker. <laughs> Thank you for having me again. Shaken, not stirred. So today we're going to talk about one specific piece of the proposed geo bond that we want to get on the ballot that will appear on the ballot you April know, of 2025. Nothing's in stone yet. I agree, but I'm putting out that positive affirmation that it's going to happen is it the community center it is the community okay, center because that's the that's the funnest one and that is i think well zach will share a little bit more but i think that's the one we can all rally around really largely um but for me one of the reasons i did want to start on that was you know there is this opportunity we have to just be more amazing than we already are as a city, but really fulfill our future. And I have relatives, and you will appreciate this, Zach, because you're from that area, but I grew up as a a little girl going to visit a great aunt in this, at the time, city called Jamison, Missouri. And I... Going back and forth... Was there Amish people up there then? Probably, I didn't realize that as a little kid, yeah. but my great aunt was the school teacher in the first school west of the Mississippi that was an organized school district, Holy which is cow. amazing. Wow. In this little t- 
town called Jameson. Um, and my father, he moved um, into another town out there. And so when we would travel to go visit our dad, every once in a while we'd come back to be nostalgic and we'd turn off and go see Jameson. Because I haven't had any relatives up there for a long time, many decades. Um, and the last time I was up there, I could not find her house because I could not see the roads because there were weeds and grass and concrete gone from the blocks. Hmm. It was shocking. It was like a it was like one of those western towns. Yeah, it was sad. It was different than desert. a ghost town, but you know as yeah. a kid, I was a town uh, a kid that grew up with a dad and a brother who loved watching westerns. And I always wondered how did this once bustling town truly become a ghost town? And that is what went through my mind when I drove in to go see Jameson. And you know what? I'm sorry if anybody from Jameson is listening because it was more of a cautionary tell to me than putting down Jameson. But it, it was like, how did they go from this town that had two cafes and two banks and every amenity you would need? They still hold an annual picnic in the town, which I'm not even sure how that happens, but how did that happen? How did this town that was on a trajectory to do one thing end up being disappear really like a disappeared i think the last census they had 50 families Hmm. and i thought okay i'm being a little you know nutty about it independence could never get there but i'm sure the romans thought that too <laughs> you know? Oh no, the Romans definitely thought that. <laughs> they were they were quite sure of themselves. Yeah. It, read any, any it, every historian agrees on that one point about the Romans. Absolutely. Yes. So, you know, and then I, I remembered that you, Zach, are from that area. Yes, I am. And so one, I think it's amazing, small town kid really doing great things for independence. Um but two I really do believe educating our citizens about the geo bond is one of the best ways that we can change hearts and minds about the need to stay on what's next, to to care about the future, to plan, to give better amenities, to keep things going. And we have learned a horrible mistake of not giving the dollars to preventive maintenance in a ton of things in our city, which I think has helped lead us here to we're now at a critical point we need the new police station we need and today we're going to talk about the community center so i am now going to throw it over to you to just kind of um give us a a little precursor of you gave a presentation on this already mm-hmm. and through that part of that was your the get fit plan can you kind of tell a little bit about what that is and how that is directing, I guess, some of your decisions or thoughts? Yeah, you know, when you have a lot of different needs, um, <clears throat> I think it's easier to start to work on those when you can get your thoughts organized. Um, and if you also would borrow the analogy that, um, you know, the human body, if you don't um, take care of yourself, you know, by 
eating well or, you know, occasionally doing some exercise, um, you know, all the preventative things to keep yourself in good shape, um, then, then things break down, right? Um, so the get fit plan was really kind of formulated on those two concepts. Let's get our thoughts organized and let's, you know, use the analogy of, of getting ourselves in shape. Um, so there's really like a three-legged stool. One of those was um, making sure we get financially fit, you know, um, for us to provide the services our citizens need, um, for us to be able to um, withstand um, those unexpected hardships that come along, you know, whether they be a natural disaster or something like COVID, whatever it may be, you need some financial resiliency and the ability to um, invest in your, in your community and your services. Um, the second leg of that stool was getting economically fit, and that meant getting our community um, advanced in new development, things like the North Point Project, um, things like um, multifamily housing uh, projects that have been approved, but it also meant getting ready for redevelopment of um, the city. So things like tearing down the Kmart building. Venture. Uh, yeah, venture. Uh, every time. <laughs> he never misses a chance. Um, so. The last leg of that stool then was making sure we're, we're structurally fit, um, you know, for families to be able to um, call this home, for businesses to be able to operate here. Um, you have to have a certain level of quality of life, and that means you've got to have good roads, good sidewalks, good parks, good public facilities, um, all the things that make you feel good about your town and that make your town functional. Um, you know, we have been able to make meaningful strides on the economic fitness part and the financial fitness part. Um, the structural then is really this issue with the geo bond. Okay. You know, I think to be helpful to this, how many how many months this is going to be before it's up for a vote? I think one of the things that could be helpful is turning every citizen listening into great mouthpieces for what is the geo bond so i i think it'd be really helpful to kind of hit on those top five characteristics of the geo bond and be able to just start educating on that um, and i'm just going to put out there as i'm just a citizen you know my goal is to be one of those mouthpieces you know if somebody has a question about why should they support this, or what is it, or how does it work? I may not know all the mechanics, but I can certainly talk about these five characteristics and why I believe it's a solid decision for the city to pursue. Yeah, so um, a general obligation bond is authorized by, uh, here in Missouri, by state statute, um, requires a vote of the people. It's not something the council can just decide they want to do. And the threshold has been set pretty high. You know, we can't just squeak across the finish line. You've got to get, uh, at a minimum, a four-sevenths or 57% voter approval. Okay. Um, it's a way to get money uh, to be able to pay for capital projects. So just like if you wanted to, you know, put an addition onto your home, for example, uh, and you went to the bank to try to get a loan for that. It's a way for us to get money to take care of all the things I mentioned, parks and sidewalks and streets and all that. Um, we pay back that loan, um, usually over a 20-year period, um, through uh, the property taxes that are raised by a vote of the people. So you vote to raise your property tax, the money that comes into the city from that is then used to pay the debt service from the money we borrowed to do those projects. 
it typically has the lowest interest rate of any financing mechanism out there, meaning we get to put more money into the projects and less into interest. Um, like I mentioned, you got to pay it back over 20 years. And from an investor standpoint, they like these kind of bonds because they're backed by the full faith and credit of the city. And so long as all the homes and businesses don't vanish overnight, <laughs> there's still going to be annual property tax revenue coming in. So they know there's a guaranteed revenue stream to pay them back. So your get fit plan even makes more sense because you've just said we're in a better financial position and then this becomes an opportunity because, and I think one of the reasons we're in better financial position is we've seen the number of TIFs go down. What are some other things that, or maybe even share a little more about that piece? You know, I mean, the choices haven't always been easy. Um, that doesn't mean there haven't been, you know, some consequences associated with it. But um, we've consolidated city departments, you know, so instead of having, um, you know, a director of all these multiple departments making a six-figure salary and benefits where we found opportunities to put departments together under one director, that has saved us significant money. Um, the conversation was not always easy, but we collaborated with our city retirees to find a more sustainable plan uh, for their health insurance uh, okay. benefits um, in, in a way that makes more economic sense for both parties. Um, you know, different things that we were paying for in-house that we could get um, cheaper by working with a private sector firm to do those things. Um, so some of those choices, like I said, weren't always easy, but they've meant we have um, cut some of our spending and allowed us to um, build our reserve, which is our organizational safety net. And just like a consumer, you know, the city gets a credit rating. And the more we can demonstrate we have in our savings, then the better our credit rating is. And we don't have to pay as much in interest when we do those projects. Well, Dan, let's bring you in because as city council person, you are responsible for a lot of those um, decisions that have put us in better financial position, made some of those tough choices, helped reorganize. Um, and Community Center, I know, is one of those pinnacle pieces in your vision for the city. So I'd love to know a little bit about, as a city council person where you are one of our best marketers for our city, how does independence stack up currently and how and why do you think a community center is one of those important pieces for us? So I'm gonna, I'll take a, a little bit of a step back. Okay. <clears throat> so the reason, and, uh, aside from the lack of upkeep on our structural integrity, yeah, roads, sidewalks, sewers, bridges, uh, the infrastructure. Aside from that, the city hasn't invested in a good structure for economic development. We've fallen behind. Okay. We don't have the same ease of use for people to come here and develop and have businesses and build big industry. Uh, and we have a huge city. Yeah. 73 square miles, roughly. So, and plenty of land, as we know now, we've changed that in the last few years. So we're at the beginning of this project, right? 
a community center uh, is one way. Uh, another way for the city, a responsible way for the city to directly invest in economic development. So uh, a community center done well will attract uh, not only use by its residents, but uh, use by high school athletes, teen athletes, chill, you know, uh, sports teams, mm-hmm. um, student athletes. It will be used by um, extracurricular uh, teams of all kinds. You know, everybody knows about this industry of because uh, these parents out here <laughs> spend their weekends. My cousin's one of them. St. Louis, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Traveling. Springfield, Omaha, Des Moines, Minneapolis, in a weekend, in the school year. Um, uh, many independence teams from independence high schools, they have to practice at Rockhurst and out in uh, Overland Park schools and facilities, uh, in in Johnson County facilities because we haven't built out the indoor and or even outdoor sometimes um, facilities that we need just for practices or for local games. So it's not that we need to take the place of uh, necessarily strictly school facilities, Mm -hmm. but drive down Lee Summit Road one day, especially in the summer, and look at how busy uh, that softball park is. Oh, yeah. Um, That's... Uh, right down there by Home Depot. Yep. Right across from a dare park. A dare park, yeah. Um, that's what we can do. Uh, in addition to uh, a community usable rec center, this is how a responsible city invests in economic development. This is how you bring people to the square this is how you help redevelop the square this is how you find alternative modern uses for a place that used to be your center of town and your your as i like to call it an economic engine this is how we this is how we truly reinvigorate the square it isn't just by making new sidewalks and making it look nice planting trees and um you know making it easy to hang lights at christmas that's all necessary making better parking that's 100 percent all necessary we bring something like a rec center we're going to get hotels on the square on the square we're going to get better restaurants we're going to get um, real developers nationwide developers that run successful chain businesses with real money that come in and put things up and run them well we're going to get the things that we never that we people that haven't been here before that don't look at us to do business. They're going to come here uh, and develop businesses that bring in real revenue for the city and and bring in people that support those other businesses up on the square. And all of a sudden, now we have a rejuvenated square that can really build itself into what it needs to be, which is the historic independent mm-hmm. square. Well, you've mentioned the word revenue several times. Zach, I'd be curious to know, in your position, you probably know some of the how some of the other cities surrounding us have built these economic engines for more revenue. Will spending money through a geo bond to build a community center 
can that positively affect our general fund? It absolutely can, um, and, and you're right. In fact, just yesterday I had a call with a friend and colleague who's the city manager of Joplin. Um, they are in the process right now of building a 100,000-square-foot facility that, that's going to be the youth sports mecca down there in the southwest Missouri wow. corner, um, recognizing, you know, that they're in a tri-state area and they can bring people in. Um, and Dan's right. And, you know, I have kids that are this age right now. It's not uncommon that you'll play a game at 10 o'clock, it's done at 11, and all of a sudden your next game is not until 3, you know, and you're <laughs> – four hours from home so you know well we gotta go kill time we gotta go eat we gotta go shop we gotta do something to keep ourselves entertained so by building that you're gonna get hotel room nights of people that come to stay in your community you're gonna get people that need to go find ways to kill time um I know the chamber is going to be having a ribbon cutting for the reopening of the Big Biscuit soon. Mm. Many times when you go into the Big Biscuit on a Saturday morning, it's slammed with softball teams that are between games, um, you know, getting something to eat before their next game comes up. And that's exactly the kind of thing we're talking about. It's going to be sales tax and transient guest tax from people that otherwise would not be coming to Independence, but they're coming here because their kids, their families, their friends have some sort of sporting event that they're in town for the weekend. Wow. So there's, it's kind of unknown how to quantify at this point, but just know that it is going to grow revenue. And we are doing um, what we're calling a feasibility study right now. It's scheduled to be completed um, at the end of May, so not much longer now. Um, It is going to give us data on a couple things. Um, it's going to quantify exactly what you just okay. said, what that potential economic impact um, could be from okay. this. But it's also going to give us some insight into the market and maybe what kind of youth sports we should be targeting so that we build a facility that could um, you know, tailor to that. Um, you know, I'm making this up, but if there's already a saturation of volleyball courts around us, well, maybe it doesn't make sense to try to land that, but maybe we want to try to bring in basketball tournaments instead. So that's the kind of research they're doing so that we build something that really will be an asset, a draw, um, and make us competitive to land those kind of tournaments. Well, to both of you, what, how did you come up with the 75 million budget? What does that include? And then specifically, if you were to pick what is available in a community center for the day-to-day citizen that maybe wants to work out or, you know, what does that, what do we hope that includes? You know, maybe I'll speak to the um, estimate part and then let uh, Councilmember Hobart talk more about kind of the vision. Um, Again, the chamber took a, a trip earlier this year, a leadership exchange trip to West Des Moines, uh, Iowa, and they saw um, what we're talking about here. Now, I would say that was an amplified version, you know, because that had a lot of different kind of sports inside of it, hockey and basketball and volleyball. And I mean, it was a much larger version probably than what we're talking about. It's almost, yeah, West Des Moines has almost a semi-professional makeup building. But we did... um, we did talk to that group up there about the cost of their build out. Some of the other cities that have recently um, built facilities, um, the city of Lenexa, the city of Miriam, Kansas, um, Blue Springs with their um, field house over here. Um, we talked to them to get a sense of what their 
construction costs were, which allow us then, you know, to do a per square foot estimate. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of understanding um, what would be a, a pretty reasonable, estimated, educated guess about the size of the facility we need. Um, that's where we came up with the $75 million cost. So it's not... Um, I would say drilled down to the you know decimal point right. yet, but it's um it's based in the actual construction costs that of facilities that were recently recently built. So Dan, you wake up on a Saturday and you go to the beautiful new Independence Community Center. What do you hope to find there? You know, uh, the feasibility study will include some of the other more modern things that people like. Like every, you know, I I grew up fairly close to the old YMCA that was yeah. right over there by the post office yep. off of Noland and close to 35th Street. And, you know, that had a pool, locker rooms, and a small weight room. And that was about the only indoor pool yeah. around. That's where yeah. Truman had their swim meets and everything. Um, so, you know, you would picture it as having a pool and a basketball court and some of the things that sermon center has and a, a cardio room and a, a class a room for classes and that kind of thing um it may have some of the gym you know like if you went to um you know whatever the old planet fitness oh, yeah i have a membership to that it may have some of that in it uh you know for community folks it may have uh, probably a walking or running track indoor and or outdoor probably okay. walking path i mean there's a lot of where we intend to hopefully put this lots of great great big outdoor green space it'd be very nice to have a, a nice outdoor um walking path for sure um you know and there'll be some modification to the roads and things too i'm sure um but uh, you know we'll, we'll make sure that it has the more modern uh, parts that people will use, not just, oh, we think people will want this, this, and this, and so we'll just stick it in there and see how it goes. You know, this is going to be a very thoughtful project that uh, hopefully fills up. And, you know, luckily uh, on some of it, you know, we've got the senior center at Palmer yeah. that uh, do some activities uh, related to that, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see some pickleball courts in there that are, you know, that 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 are some multi-use court floors. Yeah. yeah. You know, those are real popular uh, these days, and they take up a lot less space than some other kind of thing. So, you know, but we want it. To, it will be a, a, a facility that is available also to the community, not just. A, you know sports venue for out of town teams and tournaments so dan probably one of the biggest questions that most people are are asking is why now why are we doing this planning for redevelopment now and, north and point. specifically yeah why now for north point you can stop there with a question all right no it's all north point Okay. Eastgate Commerce Center. Why do you, why? North Point is the single largest private developer in the country. One of their co-founders that led the project being passed here and was crucial to having the vision for it is from R Richland, Missouri. Wow. 
which is right across the road from where Jason Snodgrass is from, which is Polo, Missouri. Yeah. I just found that out the other day, which is hilarious, which is not that far from where Zach Walker's from, at least down 36 Highway, kind of. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're not big city people that moved in and tried to take over some little town. They saw a vision for it and had data that our workforce was good and and will support the businesses that will go in there. But North Point, whether anybody else will ever say this out loud or not, is so you're the, willing to go ahead. <laughs> is the reason that the hub uh, at 291 and 23rd Street got redeveloped. You will not convince me otherwise. Uh, that group out of Chicago has been doing that style of development for decades. 40 years, the, the guy that owns that group has been doing that exact development for decades. He's been in Kansas City since the 80s. But never a redevelopment in Independence until now. He knows, I guarantee you, he knows every single strip mall with a grocery store in it in every major metro area in probably 10 states in the Midwest. And he knows everyone in the Casey Metro, no doubt. And he would not have done business here. This is my speculation. But he would not have done business here if North Point wouldn't have been here. That that North Point doing business here is due diligence for the development community, period. Uh, Wally's, yeah. who is not a done deal or anything right. at all. I've not talked to them. No, no council member has. Uh I think they have started the process with the city, uh, but nobody's involved in it from the council side at all, as they shouldn't be. Uh, but um, Wally's, I don't know if it's affected their efforts at all, but I can tell you the legal hoops they had to go through to get a hold of that property right. from the guy that lived in the guy that lives in Texas that's yeah. been in, federally indicted. I mean that's that's a lot of work to go to for, say you want to build it to build it right there on that piece of yeah. property when there are literally yeah. a dozen I seventy exits within thirty miles either direction of that one exit, right? DPAC DPAC has had that plan to expand Cargo Largo for decades and decades. He has never said a word to me about. Why now was the time? I haven't asked him. It's not my business. He'll never tell me, and I wouldn't expect him to. But I'm sure it was reassuring when North Point came in and trusted to do business here that this was a good time to do business here. And I might add to that. Um, I I don't think folks should um, leave with the impression that this is just happening. Um, this is stuff that has been talked about for decades. Um, the community center, I can go back to the 2002 Parks Master Plan, and it talks about the community desire and the need for a new community center. Um, think about you know, how many decades did we hear the Chiefs need to draft a quarterback in the first round? <laughs> and it 30 years between when they drafted a quarterback in the first round, right? I mean, I think what you're seeing here 
is a council that is, you know, picking up the the agenda on the things that the community has said that they want and that consultants have told them that they need um, because they do see that we're at a critical inflection point. There is positive momentum coming, but if you don't build on it, then you're going to stall out. Well, I think the also why now is there's so many pieces that go together. So we know that the police station is unsafe and, and will be gone. That's right. We know that there are other city-owned properties that have definitely lived beyond their safety or every, usefulness. Every building that municipal services <laughs> yeah. uses is not fit. Not fit. And so I don't want anyone to think that, you know, we all woke up on oh, Thanksgiving no. Day right. last year and yeah. said, let's start buying buildings and tearing down old no, ones. These are literally decades worth of conversations. That's fair point. It, it, the need has been there. Yes. The, the action and the, has and, not. And, and the now. plans and ideas for almost all of this in some form or fashion have been there. The momentum north point lit the fuse yeah i gotcha and the council now along with zach's creativity and his leadership team's willingness we're just all gelling and fusing and putting it together at the same time well i think the other thing is you look at those some of those old buildings or old services being gone and then when you have this beautiful green space in which to start redeveloping. And as a citizen, I want to see the best in my city. I want to see, you know, well-constructed, beautiful buildings. I think one of the things I kept hearing about the police station was from the first year it was built, it already had problems. You know, nobody wants um, to shirk this or underfund it or have it be less than what it needs to be. Um, my, I'm on board, obviously. My, my whole point of wanting to make sure we keep talking about it is to really give citizens all the information, but then also help create that vision of what it will look like. And I think the number one thing, we're Missourians, show me, mm-hmm is we need to know how much is it going to cost us and for that cost, what's it going to look like? And I think that's really back to a question for you. If you were to break it down, you had a great analogy at our recent ribbon cutting uh, for North Point. You know, what does this kind of look like for a, a norm, you know, a regular family and in independence in talking about property taxes? Because Let's bring that big elephant in the room. We've had a lot of negative feelings about property taxes, especially for homeowners in Jackson County. Yeah, so the total bond that the council's kicking around right now, and as the council member said, it's not you know, been voted on to send it to a ballot yet, so there's still a lot of conversation, but $250 million is that, that conversation point right now. That uh, would drill down if you took the average home in independence. The average home in independence is assessed at about one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. 
that would mean the equivalent of $22.46 per month for the average homeowner in Independence. And the analogy that I used is that you could go to Quick Trip and get five fountain drinks and five pretzels. I think it's you that can go to Quick Trip, I I think was the exact analogy. And, and, (laughs) And to be clear, I don't have a family of five, so two of those are for me. Um, that was $22.67. So for basically the same amount of making the quick trip run, we could have all of these amenities in our community that we're talking about. And uh, yeah, yeah, and to add on to that, just as for further clarification. Yes. So every property owner, uh, it's for only property owners that this gets attached to, right? And it's proportional so somebody like me whose house is valued at 90 some thousand dollars will pay less than somebody whose house is valued at four hundred thousand dollars who will pay less than costco so let's be clear about that these yeah. this 22 dollars he's talking about is a not everybody is, a, it's is, an a, average. is an average it's an yeah. average yep. yeah absolutely and so That's crucial to remember. Here's the other part that's important to remember. The borrowed amount is paid off. uh, The the loan time is 20 years. Let's say we borrow $250 million. Let's say the voters approve it. Approve the the number that we're our working number of $250 million. We are not borrowing that money the day after the vote right and that whole amount is not due then uh, in you know 20 years in 2045 okay we will take portions of that money over time the day you borrow each portion of money it's 20 years from when you borrow that portion when that portion is due so the entire bond amount is not just due 20 years from then. So even the $22 won't be that right off the bat. It'll be incremental. And actually spread out over longer than 20 years. Because the projects it could, will come due at different times. We don't, yes. Yeah. We, we, it would be very fantastic if we could do every project immediately. Uh, it would also be impossible because we've got bridges and roads and curbs and sidewalks and these are big big projects and lots and lots of contracts to manage and quality i mean it's just it's a massive lift not to mention a community center and design and architects and engineering and i mean uh, auditing and accounting and finance i mean it's this is a massive lift it's good work it's a huge step forward for the city, but again, it will probably be more like, I, I couldn't even guess, but probably over more like 30 years maybe. It was probably a little bit more realistic. So it won't probably ever even be 20 bucks a month for uh, not everybody. I gotcha. Yeah. So, Zach, I want to give you kind of the last word on, we have a, we would like to see this on the ballot. So it's close to April 2025. The vote's coming. 
What is it that you want to leave citizens with as they think about going to vote in favor of this? What is something that's just, you know, really maybe not the nuts and bolts, but more just your plea as the city manager? One thing would be there's always skepticism about are we going to do with the money what we say we were going to do. When you are borrowing money like we would be doing with a bond here, you're getting into the highly regulated world of you know, finance, of, of banking, accounting, of the SEC, all of that kind of stuff. So um, not that we wouldn't, but we won't have a choice. What we say we are going to spend those um, dollars on, the bondholders, the investors, the bankers, they are all going to hold our feet to the fire. So there's not going to be an opportunity to say one thing and do another. The second thing I would say, we hear all the time, I'm sure you guys do as well, well, why don't we look like Lee Summit? Why don't we look like Blue Springs? Why don't we look like Liberty? All of those cities have invested in themselves through a geo bond. Now, I'm not saying that's the only reason that they have, you know, different parks and roads and all that stuff, but it's a big reason. Um, and if we are to keep up, if we are to look like those cities, if we are to grow like those cities, if we're to flourish like those cities and have the quality of life that they do, um, then we have to emulate their behavior. We have to invest in ourselves. And this is a very common financing tool that nearly every city in Missouri has used. Um, we're behind the curve and it's time to catch up. All right. I uh, thank you for that. Thank you for coming in today. And uh, we look forward to next month. We will talk about another geo bond piece. And uh, Dan, anything you'd like to add as we um, help bring our listeners into the future of independence? I would I would say one very small but important thing. Inde independence and its residents and I go back to 1972 personally, we should be proud that we've come this far without doing a geo bond and without having a property tax. We have squeaked by on an economy built almost entirely on sales tax, retail sales tax. And our world's changed. Our economics have changed. <laughs> We're at the end of that rope. Yep. So now's the time. All right. Very profound, as always. Thanks for listening. For We Have Issues Independence, I'm Laurie Dean Wiley. I'm Dan Hobart. We want to thank you for joining us. I'm Laurie Dean Wiley. And I'm Dan Hobart. Join us again next week because we have issues. <laughs>